Hey guys, welcome to today's discussion. Um, we're going to be looking into a lot of uh, the sessions where Lavon talks about the gateway and uh, the one where they speak about the virgin line. But before that, we're doing it a little bit differently. Um, I have the camera to me this time as I do have a story to tell. Um, and I'm going to admit omit some names and that for privacy. But I felt like it was extremely uh, coinciding to what I'm going to speak about today. So uh, the only trouble I was having was figuring out, figuring out where to start from because I feel like it, the, these experiences that I had recently probably started before I'm recognizing them. But I'm going to start, I guess, from when I started recognizing that something, some type of experience or experiences were happening. So, um, so starting I guess from from point one, um, we were in the process of getting ready to move. And when I say move, it wasn't a very uh, it, it was not a very big distance, so very very close in distance to the house we were moving to, and it is uh, uh, my grandpa my grandparents' house. So I was I kept getting this this visual of my my grandfather. Uh, and he was uh, trying to pass me a torch. And this happened like every day for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then I, I finally, and I was procrastinating moving in there because I, I was so worried that me being there was going to affect, you know, the essence that they put into that house. So my grandfather was a very much a man of Christ. And so was my grandmother as well. And, uh, well, I finally made that decision, so we, we got over, and I, I kept hearing um, something about pay attention to the, to the phone number. So the phone number they had uh, is quite interesting. It has the numbers 3, 6, and 9 in it. So I'm like, well, what is it about the phone number that I'm supposed to be paying attention to? I don't... Okay, well, I'll roll with it. So um, I'm, like, going down this, this rabbit hole of... Uh, the numbers three, six, and nine, and frequency and vibration. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Okay. So, um, one night I had, um, after we were moved over, I had this dream where it was just this. The feeling was so peaceful. <laughs> like, it's hard to describe unless you've experienced it, but it was just this immense peace. Everything was in constant motion, but yet it was very fluid and together. And this this entity was saying something about being in Harvard Harvard University. So when I woke up and was trying to process this dream, I'm like, I could care less about Harvard University. I don't understand that. Like, I really have no interest in going to or being a part of Harvard University. And it wasn't until you, Craig, had mentioned, you know, that, hey, I think you're missing, like, the symbolism behind that, you know, like higher learning, that type of thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes a lot more sense because I really don't care about getting into Harvard University. So, okay. So that morning I was uh, awoken to a phone call and it was a very urgent phone call about a very close relative um, having been rushed to ICU at, when a, at a major hospital. So, and in that moment, like some other part of me took over and uh, it just that was, that was it. Some other part of me took over. And my response is, what do I need to do? You know, so um, I, I went over to ICU, um, sat with this family member for for a couple hours. And the, the, as a relative, it could not make it because they were sick, uh, very, very sick as well. I mean, probably should have been in, in some type of hospital setting and couldn't cook, and this and that. So for a period of four or five days, I'm, I'm going between ICU, this other family members home, making sure that they're eating, cooking, and, and, and doing whatever I need to do for them, and back to ICU, and then back to my own home, where I've got to make sure everybody's eating and has clothes and 
all of that goodness, good stuff, you know, at home and four or five days. And then, um, uh, feel like there is, there is something else in there. Oh, then after this kind of transpired and the one family member came home from ICU, uh, I got them home. I, I made sure they had all the, the medication and things that were going to be so they could be comfortable. And, uh, went home that evening and I was still in this mode. I don't know how to just, well, maybe I can describe it in a little bit once we start going through the love one. But, um, the dream was very, the way it presented itself was very interesting. And the fact that it was me, it, I was like back in, in college and, and it presented it in a way that it was like back in nursing school because I did go through uh, nursing school. So I think that's the way that my brain just kind of capitulated it. So, and, um, I kept being called to do something. So then I would show up to do that. And it was like, these people are like not being very productive. They're like, we don't know why you're here. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? So then I would go to another like table or desk or something. And there was these two people. And instead of helping me, they were, they were literally just watching themselves count. So they, I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> So they were not being very productive. And I just, I remember being so frustrated in the dream. So, and I know some folks, they, they say they don't have feelings in the dreams. And I do, I feel it all, uh, not all of them, but I, I do feel a lot of emotion uh, in dreams. So, um, and I'm also very active as far as thinking in the dream too. Um, but I was so frustrated. And so when I came, came out of th this dream that morning, um, I was like, you know, I kind of wish I wouldn't have reacted in a frustrating manner. Like if, if that were to ever happen in my daily life, I should actually probably be more patient. Like that's what, the way that I would want to, even though it was possibly justified. However, that's not really the in my opinion, the, the correct response. Like I would like to be more patient in this. So, um, and throughout the day, I got a call that the one family member that was home from ICU, uh, was having lots of trouble being by themselves because there was just this fear of, um, uh, you know, something happening and then nobody being there. So I said, it's okay. I'll come sit and, um, and rest with you for a little bit, you know, so until the other person gets back. So I did that. And when I left or while I was there, I'm sorry, I was trying to, cause I just moved. <laughs> so I was trying to get, um, you know, the internet situation in the phone and all that transferred over. Cause there was already a phone line, which was the the, the phone that had 369 in it, and that was already present here, and there was already TV. I just needed internet so I could do this work and other work, and, you know, the kids do their their school and everything. So um, I'm, I'm speaking to customer service over the phone, and there's quite a bit of trouble with them. You know, it's, it just seemed to me like they were in training mode. It's perfectly fine. But, and I was, I was being very patient with it because I, at one time had to train for certain things. So I got it. And so I was telling them, Hey, I want to just add the internet. We're keeping the other, especially the phone number, you know, and I, I just need to, you know, add internet service. So, and, um, Got all that taken care of, or so I thought. So I left that home after the other person returned and could sit uh, with the other. And, you know, this this gentleman had said, hey, all you need to do is go up to the, the, the local store and grab your modem and your router. And I said, perfect, that's fine. So I left there, went to the store to pick up my router and my modem. And they said, uh, is this what you wanted? And I said, well, yeah, I need to add you know, the, the modem and the router, uh, this is what I wanted. They're like, no, 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 no. 
we have a, an order for cancellation of everything, including your phone number, <laughs> including the phone, and including just everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I said, definitely need to keep the, the, the phone and definitely need to keep the other. I just want to add this. I thought it was all taken care of and this and that. So and they're like, it's totally fine. We we recognized the uh, the issue that was going on, and um, but we need to cancel the cancel order so that you don't lose your phone number. And uh, I said, yeah, that would be really nice. I said, you know, the grandma, grandpa have had that for about sixty years. <laughs> I said, I definitely want to keep the phone number. So um, got it all straightened out. Um, you know, everything was fixed. Everything is as it should. And the, the woman that really was very helpful on getting this fixed for me, get every, everything set up, was like, hey, you know, we we appreciate you being so nice about this. And I was like, and I was trying to make a joke. And I said, well, it was a lesson in patience, you know. And then I was like, I gave myself like a, a mental uh, face palm because it was like, oh, my gosh, it really was. <laughs> It really was. So then when I realized it in that moment, I had to finish the joke and say something like, uh, I hope I passed. <laughs> so, but anyway, all that being said and done, what really struck me was after, and also in the middle of that was a friend from out of state that had a massive seizure and was in uh, her own hospital. So I was trying to be um, present for her. I, obviously, I couldn't be physically, but I could be mentally and, and spiritually in that. So, but during that whole thing, it, I kept trying to process what was going on, and my my conscious mind or something, some part of me was like, "No, it's totally cool. Like you, you need to experience this, and then worry about the processing later." So normally I'm pretty good about, you know, going home that evening or if I don't leave the house, just sitting down that evening and processing the day and, you know, going through what could have been better or worse, you know. And it's like some part of me that whole week, you know, was like, you just don't. You don't need to. You're good. Like, just, just wait. So, but after everybody was perfectly fine, I could sit down and then it was like this wait a minute, hold the phone for a minute or a lot of minutes. What in the world just happened? <laughs> so um, it, it was quite literally like in the moment that I had received that call and I was, there was like this call to service. It was like some bigger part of me took over and I still had very much free will. In fact, it was almost like driving Miss Daisy where I was in the back seat, but I was still making commands. You know, I still had my free will, but some bigger part of me was just took over and was getting things done as they needed. Thankfully doing very good things and not, you know, the latter. But, um, so I do want to go into several, hopefully we have enough time for it. Um, but I went down about in, in this whole processing of what had happened and everybody's fine, by the way. Um, both of the, the family members are feeling very good. Uh, they're back to mostly good health and, um, uh, a friend, a friend from out of state is back home and, um, she has a very good support system and, everybody was good, but it was like, I had to wait till I knew everybody was good before I could process what was going on. So, um, so I'm going to take off my camera here and we're going to get into it. Okay. The first part that I want to go over is something that uh, the guys went over actually the other day regarding time space. Let me see here.
Nope, you know what? That is not the first one I want to go over. Let's go to 52. It's 52 too. Can you guys see that okay? Yes. Thank you. Okay. I, okay, so I put this down to go over first thing. I had it down lower in the itinerary, but for some reason I chose to put this one first. Yeah, that's okay, though. So this is session 52, question 2. Um, I don't read a lot of this. Um, I think that possibly I am on an important point here because it seems to me that the great work in evolution is the discipline of the personality. That's why I chose this, because I wanted to talk about discipline of the personality. And it seems that we have two types of moving around the universe. One stemming from disciplines of the personality and the other stemming from what you call the slingshot effect. Won't even get into sublight. Uh, speeds because I don't consider that too important, meaning slower than light speeds. And I only consider this material with respect to the fact that we are investigating discipline of the personality. So, okay. And then Don asked something about it, it you know, is that a right brain thing or a left brain thing? Um, so, let me read the answer before I go into disciplines of personality. Okay. And it is kind of a long answer, so I'll try to get through a lot of this. Um, so Ross says, you penetrate the outer teaching. So immediately they're like, why are you so focused on outer space travel? Okay, or time travel. We prefer not to utilize the terminology of right and left brain due to the inaccuracies of this terminology. So then they say, you know, you're not using really that terminology correctly when you say left brain and right brain. Some functions are repetitive in both lobes, right? Okay. Uh, so then they say the technology of which you as a social complex are so enamored at this time is but the birthing of manipulation of intelligent energy of the sub-logos, which is the sun, when carried much further may evolve into technology capable of using the graphitic, uh, the graphitic effects. Goodness. We note that this term is not accurate, but there's no closer term. Okay, but this is the important part. The use of technology to manipulate that outside of the self is far, far less of an aid to personal evolution than the disciplines of the mind-body-spirit complex, resulting in the whole knowledge of the self in the microcosm and the macrocosm. To the disciplined entity, all things are open and free. The discipline which opens the universe opens also the gateways to evolution. The difference is that the choosing either to hitchhike or place to a place of beauty may seem may be seen or to walk step by step, independent and free, and this independence to praise the strength enough to walk and the opportunity for the awareness of the beauty. The hitchhiker instead is distracted by conversation and the, the varieties of the road, and depending on the whims of others, is concerned to make the appointment in time. Okay, the hitchhiker sees the same beauty, but is not prepared itself for the establishment and the roots of the mind of the experience. So they're like, why are you focusing so much on this outside space travel? You have it in you. We have it in us. We should be focusing more on disciplining our personality, doing, feeling like we should do better to serve. We should be doing um, all these things to make choices to be a better person. Uh, that is so much more useful in all of our evolution rather than trying to create these things outside of us. So, 
the spiritual inner work is of utmost importance over uh, focusing on trying to conquer these things on the outside and in physical um, gravitic space travel. Until we should, shall we should say. Uh, no discipline in the personality, discipline in the mind, body, spirit complex. And I'm, I'm quite really, this is about us wanting to do better. This is about us. You know, we, we all have these automatic thoughts. I call it, you know, I did take psychology in college. Now they don't teach you. They only teach you like 5% of what you actually need to know to make a difference, honestly. But one thing that did stick with me is the term automatic thoughts. And I find it in myself. And those are precisely the things that I have been working on inside myself. Um, Because if we see a certain situation, it's like our mind automatically makes a judgment. Okay. And a judgment out of um, uh, (laughs) what have you. So take my own experience. Like, and in the instance of people not being very productive, like, and I was so frustrated and that, that is an automatic, like, reaction. You know, I think most of us would feel frustrated in that type of situation. But I made the decision before this even happened that I didn't want to react that way. And I never want to react that way in any other time where something tries my patience because it's not in my opinion not the right reaction to have so th- these are the the things that I'm consciously trying to change I just didn't realize that all of this was going on for the purpose of changing that reaction to a more appropriate or what I felt was more appropriate anyway reaction or response and allowing patience to occur and in a sense, I resolved the whole situation because I was patient. Now, what if I would have went in and been frustrated and slamming things and calling names? Would that have got anything done or would that would could, that probably just would have made so much matters worse? And I would have lost the phone number that's been around for 60 years and, you know, what have you. I do have to laugh, though, because of all the things that happened, you know, family members being sick and I see you and friend having this happen and this and that. And I, of all the things I got a heads up for, it was the darn phone number. (laughs) Like, how does that work? So I don't have the answer to that. Although I'm questioning whether that could have been the one thing that could have set me over the edge. But I, I made a decision before this even happened that I wanted to be patient in that situation. Of course, I didn't think it would happen the same day but my point is that's discipline that's telling yourself I want to react in the most efficient manner and I want to be patient I want to be compassionate I want to be understanding I want to be uh the whatever way that you want to choose to be so that is, I mean, there's a, I can give other examples about discipline, but it's really us just choosing to be a good person in each moment. And now we'll let you describe what you think of as a, a good person. I'm going to leave that up to everyone. But, um, you know, just being of service in some way, I think, um, to another person, I feel like should be characterized as a good person. But um, anyway, so let's move on to the next one 91 i hope it's making sense to people i'm still trying to process a lot of this so but what i have processed so far is coming to you guys okay so 91 session 35 Okay. Don asks, how is a knowledge of the faucets of the archetypical mind used by the individual to accelerate his evolution? So I've done the last several videos on um, really trying to practice, you know, stepping into each archetype and what possible ways in our, our 
our life experiences would be appropriate for each. And of course, not always that's up to the individual, but I try to use certain examples to help it, um, to try to explain it. But I've been practicing this for a while and I, I want to go ahead with the answer now, I think. We shall offer an example based upon its first explored archetype or concept complex when they're talking about the magician. Because that was the previous, or maybe a two previous questions ago. The conscious mind of the age up may be full to bursting of the most abstruse or unmanageable of ideas so that the further ideation becomes impossible and work in Blu-ray or Indigo Ray is blocked through overactivation. It is then that the adept would call upon the new mind, untouched and virgin, and dwell within the archetype of the new and unblemished mind, without bias, without polarity, and full of the magic of the logos. So, I, I've been practicing trying on each archetype consciously and i think and I'm talking about automatic thoughts earlier so we can actually retrain our automatic thoughts by recognizing that we're having them and being like oh my gosh that was so judgmental of me how dare i you know and saying well if i were to ever see that again i don't want to re i don't want to have that thought like i need to be more understanding so and then eventually the more you practice that um, you almost like reprogram your automatic thought on having the the initial response that you feel like is the most appropriate those are the automatic thoughts that we try to embody and have if whatever situation arises it's like a reprogramming so in that moment the first what set off the entire thing was so and so is in the icu and i can't do anything because you know uh, I, you know, it was like some other part of me just stepped in and was like, all right, I'm here. What do I do? And again, it was like I was in the backseat. It was like driving this Daisy. I was still making the commands, but I had this new bout about me that was just getting things done. I wasn't worried about ever in this whole week about having enough time to do anything. I had... Um, all, you know, almost no bias about anything or what anybody, like I, and I had no restrictions on the opinions of others. I had no, um, like I wasn't complaining in my mind the whole time about having to do anything. Um, and just keep in mind, guys, like this is a long way from being bed bound and half paralyzed about two years ago. So uh, that's another thing that I, even this whole week, I feel like I was Miss Daisy. It was like, I, I even made comments to myself like, oh, wow, my back doesn't hurt. Like, that's pretty incredible because even though I am healed, you know, I still have, uh, it's like having a crook in your neck. So I still have some aches and stuff and, and where I, that vertebrae was broken and, I even make comments to myself, like, my back doesn't hurt. Well, that's weird. Okay, cool. I'm just good. I got to keep doing what I do. And on top of it, I had already committed myself to making a couple of Christmas presents for a few people. And somehow, for some reason, I offered myself to do all the, or most of the cooking for our Friendsgiving that we were having, which is you know, just all of our friends get together and have a Thanksgiving. So that we've known for many, many years. And it was like 15, 20 people. And I'm like, I had to do, I have to make sure so-and-so is eating. I got to check on them. I got to go to ICU. I got to take care of everyone. And never complained. Didn't have any kind of reservations towards anything at all. And... It was just, I knew it had to be done and I didn't question myself. And again, it was like, I was trying to process it as it was happening. And that part of me was like, no, you're good. You don't need to do that right now. Just experience and it's all good. We'll talk about it later, <laughs> basically. 
So, um, but, and also when I read this and I, and I've read it a few times, so, but I curious, they are talking about kind of an example they gave was based off of the magician, which is the first archetype, um, which is our conscious mind. Um, but I just feel like this could happen no matter what archetype we are tapping into. Uh, yeah, it, it is then, because I didn't know, I mean, you can imagine about 18,000 things were going through my mind at the moment that I heard that. And then I just, I don't know, something, some other part of me just came in. Um, the adept will call upon the new mind and dwell within the archetype of the new and unblemished mind without bias, polarity, and full of magic. So they are somewhat <clears throat> talking about the magician, but I feel like this is possibly any old archetype. Um, I don't know, guys. It was, it was very much like I was being fed by like this, um, uh, energy that was just beyond me that kept me upright and kept me moving no matter what. And I had no reservations anywhere or for anyone or anything. It was just there again. I still had free will. Like that's the weirdest time. I had very much things happen that should have triggered me. Like I had somebody uh, flip me off on the highway, <laughs> you know, like I should have been like so triggered, but I just smiled and waved and it was like I was given that choice though about how I was going to react. Like I could hear myself like, how are you going to react or respond? <laughs> so I just smiled and waved. Um, that's the part I mean by it. It was like I was Miss Daisy. Um, let's go on to the next one. Though. I don't want to keep honed on this one for too long, but 27.7. So let's go to 27. Okay. I think this is where I was trying, I kind of went in a rabbit hole about intelligent energy because it, I, I kept thinking, what was I being fed by? My back didn't hurt. Um, I, I had no complaints in my mind about what was going on. You know, I had no, I, it was just so hard to explain, but something was keeping me upright. And it was like, if, if somebody were to take, it was it was unextinguishable. If somebody were to hit me with a fire extinguisher, I would have been like, cool, now what do you want for dinner? Like, <laughs> you know. But let's read this a, a little bit. Now that I have extracted an important point from this in that intelligent infinity, we have work with, excuse me, from this and that intelligent infinity, we have work without polarity or a potential difference that does not see that it does not have to exist. This is correct. There is no difference, potential or kinetic in unity. The basic rhythms of intelligent infinity are totally without distortion of any kind. The rhythms are closed, closed in mystery for they are being itself. From this undistorted unity, however, appears a potential relation to intelligent energy. In this way, you may observe that the term to be somewhat two-sided for uh, one use of the term, that being is the undistorted unity, or that being without kinetic or a potential side. The other application, which we use undifferentiatedly, for lack of a better term, in the sense of the vast potential tapped into by foci or focuses of energy. Foci is just the plural of focus of energy that we call intelligent energy. So, so in other words, they're, yeah. So working from intelligent infinity is basically the question. He was trying to understand how 
that work is without polarity, which I'm not sure I understand either. Um, but this is what they're saying. There, there's one focus. You're in this energy. Um, so how can there both be polarity when there's one focus? The polarity to me, I mean, I guess anybody could decipher that one in their own way, but is you're either going to help serve other people or you're going to serve yourself. Um, so, but there's unity is what they're saying. So I was very much taking care of myself during all of this too, I guess. So I wasn't completely murdering myself for, um, you know, helping others. But um, it's just a very interesting session that I wanted to go into talking about being in unity. The, the rhythms are closed in mystery and it's almost like there's like a dance going on. There's like a, um, a choreographed dance of action. I guess is what I'm trying to say from what I see from this quote here. Yeah. You know, this one's interesting too. I didn't have one on this list. Let's go over it though, and then we'll move on to the next one I had written down. Um, now I understand that the first distortion of intelligent, intelligent infinity is a distortion of what we call free will. Can you give me a definition of this distortion? In this distortion of the law of one, it is recognized that the creator will know itself. Okay. Uh, I am correct in assuming that the creator will know itself, the creator, then grants for this knowing the concept of freedom, total freedom of choice in the ways of knowing. Am I correct? This is quite correct. Okay. I'm not sure they have anything to add, but it was interesting. So, 2929, let's go over that one. I wanted to go over this one. <clears throat> is it possible for you to tell me how a crystal... Okay, so this is about the crystal healing, but I know it seems odd, but I kind of want to take the crystal out of it. <laughs> Although that was... I don't know. It just is strange to me. Because I feel like it can be... The answer that they give can be used in more ways than one. Is used by an entity who has satisfactorily achieved necessarily violet ray qualification. Um, how is it possible for the entity to use the crystal or how should he use the crystal? Hmm. But the answer they give, I feel like it can apply to anything. Just tapping into that gateway anyway. The gateway to intelligent infinity is born of, shall we say, the sympathetic vibration and balanced state accompanying the will to serve and the will to seek. So, first of all, the word sympathetic. So, and I think this is what Ra is referring to. I could be totally wrong, but in biology, the word sympathetic actually means conscious control. Okay, so consciously, you're, you're, Balancing the will to serve with the will to seek or and the will to seek. So consciously we are making this this vibration change. Um so and there's so much more that I want to go into with the gateway, but you know, the more I realize what happened to me at the last week, um I, I realized it's it's already been happening, no matter what, and it happens to everyone. We can tap into this anytime we want. It's already been happening, and I, I although I think it's about our conscious awareness that we can, and in the moment that we decide that we want to seek to consciously access this gateway, that is the moment that a lot of things change in our experience, that we that we wish to seek this gateway. It, it, as soon as we make that statement to ourselves, our uh, the our entire experience changes. Recognizing that we can is 
is the the tipping point, I guess, is what I mean. So it's already there. <laughs> so, and I think in Blu-ray they mention this. Um, just like you know, after after the heart chakra is the heart center is activated, the blue is almost activated immediately. It's just waiting for the effort from us. It's just waiting for the effort from you to use that as uh, your way of teaching or explaining or whatever it is that you're going to do with that Blu-ray. Or be honest, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> maybe. Part of your mission is just to be honest. Who knows? Um, so I didn't want to go over that. Again, I kind of want to take the word crystal out of it, but uh, anyway, seventy-one. Let's go over seventy-one. back to where I can see the chat. Here we go. Seventy-one number six. Okay, yeah, there was a lot in this one. So I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I do want to go over where was it? There it was. This is talking about after the test process. And here's where I have a hard time with it is that I kind of feel like some of this is, I know they're talking about the life review or going into the part where they talk about the life review, I should say. But some of these, I feel like, and maybe that's just the experience that I'm bringing back from my near-death experience as to why I'm noticing these things in my own life. Um, however, let me go into what I wanted to go over. Okay. Excuse me. So, um, the guys went over time and space the other night. And if you hadn't had a chance, I would... Definitely catch up on it. But they sent me down a huge rabbit hole, so I give them credit for that. Because we it was this this one in particular. Right here. Um and I was thinking of my own near death experience too. So or eventually I came to that conclusion because <laughs> I was like, Oh wait, what about your own experience that you had? Oh my gosh, that actually kinda makes sense. So um, so I repeat the question, as an entity goes through the death process in third density, it finds itself in time space. It finds itself in a different set of circumstances. Can you describe these properties of the circumstances of time space and then the healing of the incarnative experiences that some entities encounter? Okay. So basically it's asking, what are the properties of time space? You know, um... The hallmark of time and space is the inequity between time and space. In your space time, the spatial orientation of material causes tangible framework for illusion. So tangible means you can touch it. You can, I can pick up my coffee cup. I can touch this table. I can touch my computer. I know what's in front of me and I can feel it. I have my senses with me. Okay. Yeah, this property renders entities and experiences. Oh, talking of going, I'm sorry, we're talking about time now. This property renders entities and experiences intangible in a relative sense. So intangible means we can't touch it. In your framework, each particle or core vibration moves at a velocity, which approaches what you call the speed of light from the direction of superluminal velocity. So that's faster than light. So, and from there, I was, it was almost like, that sounds to me like an Einstein-Rosen bridge. Or I don't know how I can be that conclusion, but for some reason I came to that phrase and, or the, the term. So, and of course that's a theory now, the Einstein-Rosen bridge.
Okay. I mean, yeah, essentially it's a wormhole is what it is. Einstein Rosenberg represents a shortcut through space and time. A type of t uh, shortened tunnel between two galaxies that are actually light years apart. Right. Well, and then the way that they think of it is as a wormhole. So it's a portal, basically. And this is resting in the gateway. This is resting in the indigo ray. Okay, because our, our indigo ray is that access to intelligent energy, intelligent, uh, intelligent energy, I'm sorry. Now I'm coming to learn that the virus lay more, the virus, oh my goodness, violet ray is more of the intelligent infinity. But energy, intelligent energy comes from that. It is the gateway to the other. Um, so again, I'm going back to what Ra was saying. It just, it reminds me so much that they're, they are describing and Einstein Rosenbridge. And we also see um, kind of evidence in this and other mythologies as well as biblical stories. So in Viking legend or Viking stories, they call it the Bifrost. Okay. And I know this has been glorified in your Marvel movies. Well, they did take it from actual mythology of what the Vikings were trying to describe. Um, but uh, I, again, they, they glorified it a little bit. But the concept is the same. So and I don't necessarily feel like it's a physical thing, like it's uh, expressed in those types of movies. But the Bifrost is... Uh, the bridge between heaven and earth, basically. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, the is a vibrant rainbow bridge serving as the conduit between Midgard, the human world, and Asgard, the land of the gods. So heaven and earth. It's a bridge connecting heaven and earth. Um, <clears throat> going back to what Ross says in other places, in dreaming, you know, dreaming sometimes takes us in the time-space realm. Um, and then they say stuff like, well, the, the bridge remains, you know, the, the bridge remains. So, um, and also in the story of if I could type right, that would be great. Ladder. In the story of Jacob's Ladder, we have the same thing. Yeah, and this is a ladder that is connecting, uh, a ladder that connects earth and heaven, and a message of God's grace and destiny for his people. So, um, and you can go into uh, Genesis 28 if you'd like to uh, kind of read up more on, on what Jacob's ladder is. Uh, so Jacob was a son of Isaac and the grandson of Abraham. So, um and Abraham was pretty powerful figure. You know, because I guess they're all, all of the characters of the Bible are powerful people in the Bible. But uh, he even talks about it being in a dream uh, that he saw this. We well, did want to bring those perspectives into it. Um, and then we're going to go on to 57.33. I guess we're doing pretty good on time. Okay. Um, now in this one, they are talking... No, they're not talking about the pyramid. I think that's the point. No, I want to go on questioning about the pyramid, but I want to ask a question. Okay. Uh, could you please expand on the concept of space, time, and time space and how to get past this? The concept of these things and what density level do these concepts have no longer affect the individual. Okay, so then the answer, the space, time, and time space concepts are those concepts describing as math, as possible relationships of your illusion, which is to which is seen to that which is unseen. <laughs> so descriptions are clumsy, meaning don't focus so much on what these points are, 
I feel like Ross trying to grasp or send a message that these are just aspects of our own self, of our own inner self. Um, as opposed to really trying to figure them out on the outside. Just just think of them as just aspects of our own being. So, um, In the experiences of mystical search for unity, these need never be considered right. They are part of an illusory system. The seeker seeks the one. The one, this one, is to be sought. As we have said, by the balanced and self-accepting self, aware both of its apparent distortions and its total perfection. Um, let me take a drink. Okay. Resting in this balanced awareness, the entity then opens the self to the universe, which it is. The light energy of all things may be then attracted by this intense seeking. And wherever the inner seeking meets the attractive cosmic prana, realization of the one takes place. The purpose of clearing such energy center is to allow that meeting to take place at the indigo ray vibration, thus making contact with intelligent infinity and dissolving all illusions. Service to others is automatic at the released energy generated by this state of consciousness. So, a lot to be had in that one. So, essentially, it's saying, hey, you know, we need to um, balance each energy center. And I know they've said before that we need to do it from the bottom up, I think. From the bottom up, starting with the red and in succession, one by one get to this state where we are balanced and we're self-accepting of our own self and we know that our distortions and we know our faults and our our weaknesses and our also our strengths and being accepting of all of them and um you know then realizing that we are this aspect of the creator i am the creator and being accepting of that as well. And through this seeking, the light energy of all things may be attracted by this. And wherever the inner seeking meets the attracted cosmic prana. So it's already there. Like that's, that's what right here. That's what I was seeing. We attract this just by thinking and presenting ourselves in that manner and and it's like two atoms like smashing into each other i guess is what i'm seeing two atoms just smashing to a point where it, the pull is so dramatic you can't stop it um although i think once the seeking starts i don't think you can stop it but it's like two atoms smashing together and this, you know, realization overcomes you <laughs> so, and you, you take it and run with it. So, and then you make contact with intelligent infinity and dissolve all these illusions. It's then, only then, well, not only then, I guess, but service to others is automatic at the released energy generated by this state of consciousness. Okay, um, and there is talk in elsewhere about, you know, the negative service to self, like it, that is the whole purpose of clearing each energy center all the way up, okay, especially the heart, adding the heart in for service to others, because the negative uh, path, which according to the law of one isn't necessarily wrong, but um, my goal is not service to self, so if I if I were to go down that path, though, I would skip over the heart altogether. And then those types of beings lack the compassion and the understanding that come along with it. So, But when you do it in this way and go all the way up, this is what happens. So service to others is automatic. It's a released energy. 
Yeah, um, I'll go on to this next paragraph here. The space-time and time-space distinctions, as you understand them, do not hold sway except in third density. However, fourth, fifth, and sixth, I'm sorry, to some extent, the sixth, work within some system of polarized space-time and time-space. Okay. So distinguishing space-time and time-space have no function in third density, fourth and fifth and sixth work within some system of distinguishing these two. Okay, unless you guys understand it a different way. Um, there was one, one more, one more, 17.18, I think, in regards to self-healing. Because it had something to do with uh, tapping into this intelligent energy, which is the gateway. Make sure I have the right one. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. As far as healing, and, and you know what's weird is... Is this the right one? Self-healing? Yes, because this is where it says, uh, know first the mind and the body. Then as the spirit is integrated and synthesized, those are harmonized into a mind-body-spirit complex, which can move among the dimensions, which can open the gateway to intelligent infinity, thus healing the self by light, and then sharing that light with others. Okay. True healing is simply the radiance of the self, causing an environment in which a catalyst may occur, which initiates the recognition of self, by the self, of the self-healing properties of the self. Okay. Is this knowing that thyself is the creator? Maybe a catalyst happens, and um, instead of maybe having some type of granular response to it, it just opens everything up. And you recognize that you have conscious control over what response is coming or not coming, you know, depending on whatever situation. So, yeah, but the point being made that I wanted to focus on with this one is, we, we do have to heal ourselves first. And then by healing ourselves, we can then choose to show others the way and be the light um, to the light, the way, you know, of, of how you others can heal yourself. And, um, of course, it's coming through each and every other person's distortions in a way. But um, I, there's a free will in interpreting it, however it is that you're going to interpret it. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go. There is one more that I kind of put off to this side because I want to help you understand, like, tapping into this gateway or just once we, once we do evolve to the point where we can do that consciously, what? the implications are, you know, like, what can we do with that? So hopefully we're going to do it to serve other people. But, nope, 48. And I think this is actually one that we went over at the last part of the last um, video. Here we go. And it's almost like it's describing a certain type of graduation in that moment. And John is asking, how are the bodies, red and violet, are they linked to the energy centers, red or violet? And raw answer is, each of the true color densities as the seven energy centers and each entity contains all this in potentiation and potential, basically. It has the potential of being activated. 
the activation, while in yellow ray, of Violet Ray Intelligent Infinity is a passport to the next octave of experience. There are adepts who have penetrated many, many of the energy centers and several of the true colors. This must be done with the utmost care while in the physical body. For as we have noted, when speaking of the dangers of linking this red or orange yellow circuitry with true blue, the potential for disarrangement. I think that's just getting lost in the journey, getting lost in the journey. Uh, of this, the complex is great. However, the entity who penetrates intelligent infinity is basically capable of walking the universe with unfettered tread. I do feel like that was a repeat from last time, but um, very much worth being repeated in some level. Um, but it is, you know, activating this and constant seeking. Um, you know what? One thing that I wanted to say about one of the ones that we went over, actually. Um, so let me go back to 71. And if I don't say this, I'm going to regret it, I think. So I'm going to go back. Because I can confirm <laughs> some of what Ra is saying from me experiencing it myself. And I think it was a big one. Going back to, it was actually, they were actually talking about what happens just after death. So I know in my own near death experience, um, they talk about going back to, Law One talks about going back to the form maker, which is the indigo ray body. And I very, very much remember being my body, but not my body. Like it was me, but it was a different me. And then in coming back, you know, I don't know why, given the choice to come back, but I know I was shown pretty much a life without me, you know, or what would have happened to those around me. And here's where I want to repeat what I've said before. Never, ever, ever, ever underestimate your life here. Never. And never underestimate what the work that you as one person can do. <laughs> Your inner work is so very much important. One person, that's you, can make all the difference in this world. So keep seeking, keep being the better version of yourself, keep doing this work because you can be that one person that makes a difference in this world and don't ever forget that. So, um, but anyway, I will go back to this. So we were talking about this kind of taking me down a uh, Einstein, Rosenbridge, Bifrost, Jacob's Ladder type situation here. And it, the gateway pathway being like this um, Einstein, Rosenbridge, or Jacob's Ladder thing. And so in my near-death experience, when I came back through it was like I and I remember saying this in the times that I have told the story, but it was like I was being shut back down a funnel. I I really remember that, and I could feel like the the energy going through each of my my atoms. You know, it was just I could feel all of that being shoved energetically, moving through this funnel type situation. So. Uh, that's what I wanted to add in here because it kind of helps, I don't know, uh, confirm what they're saying here. So, um, let me make sure there's nothing. I think that's all I had on the list for today, guys. Yeah, and here is where it made me question a lot of things. <laughs> I actually was very worried for a moment the process because it's talking about the life review uh which you know i do remember experiencing but i feel like i'm, I'm continuing that throughout my life now and maybe that's the point i don't know but the process involves seeing a full the experience seeing it against the backdrop of the mind body spirit complex total experience forgiving myself for all missteps in regards to the missed guidepost during the incarnation and 
careful assessment for the next necessities for learning. Yeah. And this is, this is done entirely by the higher self until an entity becomes conscious in space-time of the process in means of spiritual evolution, at which time the entity will consciously take part in all decisions. So, food for thought. Food for thought. And that's a goal that I feel like we should all work for. So, um, you know, I would definitely be paying attention to any kind of dreams that you're having and... You know, pay attention to your feelings. And I know Ra says that the emotive content, you know, how are you feeling if this situation, when this situation came up in your dream, is that the is the feeling that you want to have if this situation were to come up? And if it's not, consciously say, I don't want to react that way. That is not being the best version of myself. Instead, I would like to react in this type of way. So, and then when that experience gets there, you know, in that moment, remember, I remember I didn't want to react this way. And, and I do remember that I, I'm choosing to act uh, this way. And maybe there is no act. Maybe the right thing is that you don't give any type of response or, you know, depending on whatever situation. So, um, well... A lot of food for thought, and I'm going to go ahead and end on that note. And um, again, if any one of you have any suggestions on what you would like me to discuss at any time, please let me know. I'm open to ideas. So, all right. Love you all. See you next time.